ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Welcome back to the No Higher Calling Podcast. In today's episode, we are continuing our Respectable Sins Bible study as we address the sin of anger. So just a quick recap in case you're joining in, you haven't listened to any of the Respectable Sins Bible studies that we've been doing through the podcast um, this year in 2022. Once a month, we have been looking at different sins that we as culture, even Christian culture, tend to deem as respectable, you know, really in light of some of the more depraved sins that tend to be so flamboyant in our world, we tend to think that there are other things that just aren't that bad. So what this study has been doing is revealing to us that all sin is sin. All sin is an attack against the nature of God. And all sin is in direct opposition to His Word and to the commands that He has given us. So we've been working our way through some of these sins, trying to ask the Holy Spirit to show us ways that we need to become more like Christ as we look at these things, asking the Holy Spirit if there are any roots of anger or of bitterness or, I mean, we've talked about ungodliness, anxiety, discontentment, unthankfulness, pride, selfishness, um, a lack of being spirit-controlled, impatience. We've talked about so many different things so far throughout this year. And as we talk about these, as we look at them in light of God's Word, asking the Holy Spirit, if there is any root of this in my heart, reveal that to me first and foremost, and then help me to root that out of my life, to change my thinking in accordance with your word and to give you the proper place, the rightful place that you have on the throne of my heart and in guiding and ordering my steps. We've, we've been talking about that verse in the Psalms to order our steps in God's word and to not let any iniquity have dominion over us. So we are going to talk today about the sin of anger. And I just want to start here. I have a list of some scripture verses that deal with anger, and we're just going to start right in God's word because, you know, I am not the authority on anger. I have not, you know, spent years counseling people on how to deal with anger according to God's word. Um, I have been studying as I've been preparing for this podcast episode and, you know, again, asking the Holy Spirit to illumine this in my own life. But God is the final authority on everything and what he says is truth. What he says is what we need to anchor our lives in. And so that's where we're going to start. We're going to start with the authority on the topic. What does God have to say about anger? James 1.19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Ephesians 4.26, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Ecclesiastes 7.9, Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Psalm 37.8, Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Colossians 3.8 But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Proverbs 29.22 
An angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. Ephesians 4.31 Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So I would think it would be sufficient to say that God has an opinion on anger. God has a lot to say about anger, and God does not want us to allow anger to take root in our life. And as we kind of continue through this, as we're kind of using the book, Respectable Sins by Jerry Bridges, to outline our study a little bit, we'll get into some weeds of anger, as he calls them at the end, bitterness, um, some of these wrath, clamor, some different things that stem from a heart that has been given over to anger. But God has a lot to say about this. And he knows the destructive impact that anger can have on our lives. And he does not want that for us. You know, I'm even thinking in Ephesians 4.26, it says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. That was some marriage advice that Simi and I had gotten early in our marriage. And we try to follow that is don't go to bed angry. Don't go to sleep angry. You need to work things out and end the day at peace in your relationships. And That's meant that there have been some very, very late nights as we have sought out that peace. Um, But I think it's a wonderful principle to not let the sun go down on your anger. And I do think that as I've been praying about this in my own life, and as I've just been thinking and and listening to other people um, share with me their lives and their struggles, I think anger really can tend to hit at home more than it might outside of the home. Sometimes the people that we struggle with anger with the most are those that we love the most. Our husbands, our children, our immediate family members, they tend to get the brunt of our anger um, in a way that people outside of of that close inner circle to us don't get. And, and it shouldn't be that way. Not that I'm saying that, oh, the people outside of our inner circle should have the wrath of our anger. Um, we shouldn't be angry with anyone. Um, but these people that God has given to us to love and to nurture, um, they, they shouldn't be the recipients of the this sin stemming from our life. And, you know, I, I think sometimes when we say that, we think, well, you know, they, they, they cause me to be angry. This husband of mine or these kids of mine, they just, they bring it out of me. I, I can't control it. They cause me to be angry. Um, there again, that links back to last month's episode talking about being spirit controlled. If we're being controlled by the spirit, then you know, we won't have these anger, these outbursts of anger towards those we love. And please don't think that I'm just sitting here pointing a finger saying, don't be angry. You need to always have wonderful responses to your husband and your children. I have plenty of fingers pointing back at me. This is something that I have to work in my own life as well. But usually, you know, when I might think, well, these kids, they've just been exasperating and they deserve my anger. You know, that that's not true, and and maybe maybe they were exasperating, but is it my pride? Am am I acting in anger out of pride? Like, oh, you guys should be more well behaved because I want you to look like the perfect little kids, or I want to look like the perfect mom. Wow, that's a convicting one there. Or is it selfishness? You know, you've taken up too much of my time or my desire to control a situation. I mean, I think it's important that we realize that our anger is rooted in our own heart that is not being spirit controlled and that is not allowing Christ to reign supreme in our lives. We need to watch 
that we don't have sinful emotions, words, and actions that are hurtful to those that stem from our anger. You know, I think there are times in life where we feel like we are justified in being angry, like we have a right to be angry. Um, Someone has hurt us, someone has hurt somebody that we love, and we feel like we have a right to be angry at them. But I feel like if anybody had a right to be angry with another, it would be Jesus. You know, he was humiliated, he was crucified, and he had every right to be angry with those people that did that to him. But what does it say, you know, on, on the cross? One of his last things that he said was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Even in that moment, he didn't yield to anger. He didn't yield to wishing malice and harm against those that had hurt him out of an angry, resentful heart. No, he showed compassion. He showed love. And as we have Christ as our greatest example, we too need to mirror that in our own lives. We need to ask him to help us in this area to be coming to be becoming more like Christ, more like our Savior, as we try to have the responses that he would have and to not have the responses that he did not have and that he has written about in his word. Um, the author Jerry Bridges wraps up the chapter on anger, talking about anger towards God. And, you know, there are some times where we've been hurt or different things and our the object of our anger might be more focused on the person that hurt us. But there are some times in life where our anger is actually directed at God, where we get angry at God. God, why did you let this happen? Did you, where were you when you know, whatever. Uh, We all have our own stories. We all have our own um, mountains and valleys and our own hurts. But, you know, you insert whatever has happened in your life there. And sometimes I think we we tend to turn that resentment towards God and be like, where were you? What what were you doing? I'm I have a right to be angry with you because you failed me. But that is that is the farthest thing from the truth. God says in his word that he is always with us, that he works all things for our good. In Psalms it says that he actually never sleeps. He's always working on our behalf and that we can actually rest and sleep even in the midst of terrible circumstances. We can find rest and peace enough to to sleep because God is always working on our behalf, that he's faithful, that he never changes, that he is true to us, that he loves us with an unconditional, unending love. Those are those are promises. That is truth that we find in God's word. And that is what our hearts need to cling to. And I know sometimes when you're in the middle of that hurt, it clouds our vision and it 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 makes it harder for us to see that truth and to claim that truth. But that's where it's so important that we have invested truth into our hearts beforehand, before we need to draw from the well, before we need to gain our strength from it. We need to invest it into our hearts so that when circumstances come, when we feel anger and resentment arise, whether it's towards someone or whether it's toward God, that we can say, hey, no, these are the promises that God gave. I can claim these. This is the example that Jesus set, and I can follow that through the Holy Spirit's enablement in my life. It is never, never okay. It is never right to be angry at God. You know, it. Jerry Bridges writes that anger is a moral judgment, and in this case of God, it accuses him of wrongdoing. It accuses God of sinning against us by neglecting us or in some way treating us unfairly. It also is often a response to our thinking that God owes us a better deal in life than we are getting. As a result, we put God in the dock of our own courtroom. 
God never does anything wrong. He never makes a mistake. He never neglects us. You know, the Bible says there's nowhere that we can go that we are out of the presence of the Lord, that we are not under his eye, that we are not under his watching, loving care. And so I I think it it would serve us well to remember we need to be investing these promises, these truths into our hearts. So when those moments come where it, it is difficult to react in a way that would honor and please our Savior, that we have invested the the truth that we need to draw from to have the right response. So we're going to transition just a little bit as we kind of wrap up this episode, talking about some of these weeds of anger. You know, bringing back the 90s, um, I grew up watching Veggie Tales, and recently my children have seen several Veggie Tales uh, episodes. Not that I'm saying condoning veggie tales or whatever but they have watched a couple of them and one of them that they watched was the rumor weed and if you have no idea what i'm talking about i'll explain it quickly if you do you're probably singing the larry boy song in your head um but it's basically this town these two little kids share a rumor and the rumor grows and grows and grows and grows and grows and to illustrate that for children they the rumor itself is actually a weed And as one person tells the next person and the story gets bigger and bigger and more out of proportion, more weeds start popping up all over this town until they realize it's out of control. And actually under the town has now grown this mother weed, this huge weed that has these little sprouts coming up all around the place. And that is the mental picture that I get. And I know that's talking about gossiping and rumor, um, but as we apply this to anger and talking about these weeds of anger, that's the picture that I get in my mind. How, you know, it might just seem like this small little dandelion. You know, there's just this dandelion of anger. You know, I have a right to be angry at that person. I have a right to to be standoffish with them or to not extend forgiveness or to not uh, talk to them or get this right with them. But what happens with weeds is you have one dandelion spring up and my son knocks, he calls uh, the seed when it's the seed and not the flower, he calls them poofs. You know, it takes just a slight little breeze and that one dandelion poof poofs and those seeds go all over my yard. And next thing you know, the one little poof has turned into a hundred poofs and then the hundred poofs turn, you know, it just, it keeps going and going and going until we have a beautiful yard of yellow. Um, which I actually personally think dandelions are really pretty. So they don't bother me, but some people do not like weeds. And uh, as we talk about this in anger, you know, it might seem like this is just a a little thing that I'm not going to let go or that I'm going to allow to go unresolved. What happens with these sins, any of these sins, when we allow sin to take the place of Christ in our life, they, it, it starts sprouting up into other things, into more and bigger and deeper until all of a sudden you have this, I mean, it was always a problem, but you have this giant chronic problem and it's so hard to root it up out into your life because it has so seeped the roots into your being that it's so much more difficult. That's why God says in his word, that's why he says in Ephesians, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. It's only going to get harder and harder and harder to make it right with other people, to forgive, to move on to extend forgiveness and to not let anger take control if we allow it to fester and to build and to extend into these different weeds. So some of the weeds that he talks about, the first one is resentment. And this is anger that is held on to. You know, I'm just, I'm going to allow this to fester in my heart. And that's something that I'm guilty of. You know, especially in my marriage, I tend to not want to make mountains out of a molehill. And and I'm 
busy and a lot's going on. You know, I have four children now, so I'm constantly pulled in many directions. So sometimes I don't even have the energy to address something that might have upset me with Simeon. But what happens is I push it down and then the next day I push something down and it might not even be like a huge offense, just a pet peeve, something that should not even bother me. But then all of a sudden, volcano erupts on Simeon and he's like, whoa, what did I do? Where did that come from? And all of that came from resentment in my heart. Just little things, nitpicky things that I allowed to fester instead of dealing with those with him. If it was something that was an offense or dealing with them even in my own life, like, okay, you left your shoes in the middle of the floor again, you know, but that that's not a sin. That's just something that bothers me and allowing that to fester into anger and into resentment. We just, we need to be so careful again with the roots that we just deal with it in the moment, have the right spirit, act like our savior, act like our Lord, and then to let that go before it turns into resentment. Then the next one we have is bitterness. Bitterness is resentment that has grown into a feeling of ongoing animosity. Whereas resentment may dissipate over time, bitterness continues to grow and fester, developing an even higher degree of ill will. I think we all probably know somebody that has allowed bitterness to consume their life. I know I I have a face in my mind of someone that has just allowed years of, of anger to turn into resentment, to turn into bitterness towards another person. And it is not lovely. It is actually quite ugly. Um, and in many ways, it has hurt this person, even physically, not, not just spiritually, not just emotionally, but physically. There are physical effects that anger, that resentment, that bitterness have over a person. Um, and, and, and we need to flee that. We need to be so careful, again, that we don't allow the little plant to get bigger and bigger and bigger until we get to this bitterness, that we allow this to consume us and to really change us into something that does not look like the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we have enmity and hostility. These are really synonymous and they give an idea of a higher level of ill will or animosity than than does bitterness. So I'm pulling these from the book as we go through. So this kind of takes bitterness to the next level as we talk about enmity and hostility. This is actually... um, just having a almost a hatred for you know you're harboring these feelings and all of a sudden you start feeling um this just hatred this anger this deep resentment and um hostility towards somebody then we transition into the word grudge and um grudge just kind of has this idea of just this hate of taking revenge um on the object of our anger of our of our grudge the Bible kind of gives some illustration of this in the relationship that Esau had with Jacob after he had been treated out of his or tricked out of his birthright. Esau hated Jacob and he planned to kill him. He had this grudge within him that was le- starting this anger inside, this emotion is starting to lead to an action, a harmful action against the object of your hurt. So then we transition into str- into strife. Strife describes open conflict or turmoil between people or between parties. So again, it's it's that next step. It's taking that action. Okay, now I'm not just having this grudge. I'm not just thinking in my mind, how can I hurt you? How can I get you back for the hurt that you did to me? Now it's on to strife. We actually have conflict. We actually have physical turmoil between 
to people, to groups um, that we are having to to deal with and to battle against. And those are just some some of those different weeds that the author brings out here. But but there's more, you know, as we think about this and as we allow this to continue to fester. You know, we think about Cain and Abel. And Cain allowed this process to happen in his heart as Abel's offering and as Abel's sacrifice was accepted by God and Cain's was not, which ultimately led Cain from just being angry about something, which was his own fault, Abel did nothing, to committing murder, to being the first murderer. Um, so it's just, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. The author writes in the book, uh, Respectable Sins, God doesn't cause people to sin against us. But he does allow it, and it is always allowed for a purpose, most often our growth in Christ-likeness. You know, I've shared different things on the podcast before about my story, different parts of my story that are undesirable, that are hurtful, that I would not have ever written to be a part of my story, hurt that other people inflicted upon me and upon people that I love. Um, But as I shared in the episode, All Things for Our Good, I do believe that God works all things for our good, all things, the good things and the bad things. And like it says here, God doesn't cause people to hurt us, but we are sinful human beings. And sometimes it happens and he does allow it, but it can be for our good. It can be for our detriment if we allow anger and the weeds of anger to take control in our life, but it can be for our good. If we allow that hurt, if we cast that hurt at the feet of Jesus and allow him to use that hurt to conform us more into his image as we seek to extend forgiveness like Christ extended forgiveness, as we seek to demonstrate compassion on someone that does not deserve it, as Christ demonstrated compassion on us who did not deserve it. So it's so important that we remember that God is sovereign and that he, everything that comes into our life has been allowed by him. And in my human finite mind, that I don't understand that. And, you know, I'm sure there are people listening that have been hurt in, in ways far beyond anything that I've experienced. And, you know, I, you might not believe this. And, you know, honestly, in thinking about some people that I know and that I love that have been through some hurts, it, it's difficult for me to say, well, just believe that God is sovereign and that he does all things for good. Because I sit there and I'm like, Lord, that doesn't seem like good. And sometimes we are allowed the time or the grace to see the good here on this earth. And sometimes we won't know until heaven what the Lord was doing behind the scenes and how he was working things for good. But as we've established, God's word is truth and we can trust in his truth. We can claim his truth as promise and know that he is sovereign, whether it is understood by us or not. We can lean on that. We also need to pray that God will enable us to grow in our love for others. You know, Christ, again, our perfect example, demonstrated such an unconditional love for everybody, but especially for those who who caused him harm, who hurt him, and who ultimately killed him. We also need to learn to forgive as God forgives. And the only way that we can have the courage, the ability to forgive those who have so wronged us is when we remember how Christ forgave us. Christ forgave us everything. If he did that, then we can forgive other people of their offenses against us, but it's only through his power. And you know, it costs 
Christ tremendously to forgive our sins. The payment for our sin was high. The payment for him being able to extend forgiveness to us was his very life. Um, and, and all that came with his humbling himself, his humanity, his years on earth, um, his death on the cross, all of that cost him so much. And as we pursue Christ-likeness, as we seek to become more like our Lord, we need to be willing to sacrifice. We need to be willing to do the hard thing so that we can be more like our master. We are to forgive because we have been forgiven much. So I'm going to wrap this episode up here. Um, but I, I, this was challenging to me. And, and again, oh, and this just, every time I, I say this, I'm like, oh, this just reveals my pride. Um, but it's one that I came to and I looked at it and I was like, anger? I'm not an angry person. Or as I thought about bitterness, you know, it was easy for me to think of other people who are angry or who have allowed bitterness to consume their lives. But it wasn't so easy for me to look at my own life and to see it with clarity. But as I've asked God, there are things that I need to work on in my heart, in my life, if I want to give God supremacy in this area, if I want to allow Him to reign supreme in my heart, to be on the throne of my heart, to guide my life, and to make me more like Him, I need to make some changes. And honestly, I think I'd be safe to say that you do as well, because we're all humans. We all struggle with these things, and we all can always be making steps in that road of sanctification as we seek to become more like our Savior. So let me close this episode out in prayer, and then I will join you ladies in our next episode. Father, I thank you so much for your word and how it illumines and shows us the dark places of our hearts. I do pray that you'll be with me and all the other ladies who are listening, Lord. I pray that if there is anger or any weed of anger that we have allowed to take root in our hearts, that we will just quickly get that right, that we will turn from that, and that we will not let allow that to grow bigger and stronger in our lives. Lord, I pray that you will help us to see what you did, the depth of what you did for us in forgiving us. And as we realize the depth of your love and the cost of your forgiveness, that we will in turn extend that to the others as as we live life and as there are those that have hurt us. Lord, I just pray you'll be with each one of the listeners, Lord, whatever situation they're in, whatever hurts their life has, whatever scars they might bear, I pray that you will help each one of us to find freedom in Christ as we just embrace your truth as we seek to live it out day by day and as we seek to become more like our Savior, Lord. I thank you for who you are and I thank you that you've given us the ability through your power to extend forgiveness and to receive your forgiveness, Lord. I thank you for dying on the cross. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I hope that this episode has brought much glory to Christ, encouraged your heart, and strengthened you to be the wife and mother that God has created you to be. Thanks for listening.